Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 804 The Time, hour number two here on Sports 56 Mornings on this Thursday, February 15th, 2024. Greg Gaston, Zach Boyd, Eli is off until Tuesday. He is with the Ole Miss baseball team in Hawaii. We are in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Currently 44 degrees to get your Thursday started. We're looking at a high of 66 today. With a mix of clouds and sunshine, then tonight mostly cloudy with a low of 48. Tomorrow, some rain expected in the area. James Gaddis Jewelers, second hour sponsor of Sports 56 Mornings, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick, and on the web at gaddisjewelers.com. I, I hate, to, hate to say this, but if somehow you forgot to get your loved one a Valentine's Day gift, you're in the doghouse, first of all. But second of all, don't fret. Just head on over to James Gaddis Jewelers or go online to GaddisJewelers.com. You can shop 24-7. You get the old makeup gift. Yes, there's still time, gentlemen, and ladies out there as well. But hopefully you all took care of business. Hopefully a lot of you stopped by James Gaddis Jewelers, took my advice. If you are planning on getting engaged this year, you're going to ask that big old question, you need that beautiful diamond ring, James Gaddis Jewelers is your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters. I know you're going to want to look at a number of different jewelers. Make sure James Gaddis Jewelers is one of them. All their diamonds are independently graded and certified. They know there's a competition out there, a lot of competition. So they make sure they have a price point to suit everyone's budget. They are full-service jewelers with two bench jewelers ready to serve you. Layaway and financing is available at James Gaddis Jewelers. Time to talk some Memphis Tigers basketball, the home stretch is upon us. Seven games remaining in the regular season, and four of them on the road, including two this week. North Texas, that'll be coming up tonight, and then SMU on Sunday, and hitting the uh, the airport in just about, I don't know, an hour or so, but before he does that, he's joining us. He's Parthu Pajai, University of Memphis basketball beat reporter for the Daily Memphian, and uh, I, I know you're leaving here soon, Parthu, so thank you, first of all, for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for the invite. You know, always fun to uh, get on and talk some Tigers hoops. All right, so North Texas on the road, SMU on the road. The Tigers at least, it seems like, may have turned the corner after the losing streak. They put together three straight wins. Have they found the answers? Well, I think we're going to find out, you know, here shortly, and that's what I wrote in my preview. Um, You know, we've seen a, a very small sample size from them, right? Like, we've seen... Um, them kind of beat up on bad teams. Wichita State, they had to pull together a late rally, and then uh, Temple played, you know, really one good half uh, before putting together a full game against a two-lane team that's, you know, potent offensively, but just largely struggled, you know, throughout conference play. So, you know, these are these are legit teams. North, North Texas, um, you know, is a quad two opportunity. SMU is a quad one. So I think in these two games, we're, we're, we're going to find out, you know, um, what this Tigers team is made of and what their chances look like to get that arch bit looking for. I know the two-lane game, they came out like gangbusters and had the lead up to 25 and ended up winning by 12. So certainly they gave up some points, 49, I believe, in the second half to two lanes. So it wasn't a 
40-minute complete game. But for the most part, it was one of their better performances from start to finish this year. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think it was their best performance since um, since the Virginia game, you know, back December 19th in terms of uh, two-way performance, right? Like not the offensive explosion we saw against Wichita State back in mid-January where they scored 112, but um, playing both ends of the floor uh, intensely, you know, being engaged on defense, all of that, I thought um, it was their most complete game, certainly, since mid-December. You wrote recently about the chemistry with the players off the court. Uh, chemistry has certainly been a key word that has been brought up this season, even Penny Hardaway bringing it up numerous times. Do you feel that finally, after the addition of Naquan Tomlin, the return of Jordan Brown, and all the uh, stories uh, within this program this year, the Mikey Williams drama, that they are finally together, the chemistry is there for this late-season push? I think so. I think you can... You know, despite what we talk about, the margin of victory and that sort of thing in these past three games, I think you can see it on the offensive end. Guys being willing to share the ball, uh, guys looking to pass. I mean, they had 21 assists on 29 field goals, you know, against Tulane, uh, 17 against Temple. So it just looks like a more, I don't know, cohesive product, right, if you will. Um, and from everything that, you know, Penny said after games, everything that, you know, Javon Quinterly and others have said after games, it seems like that's just a product of, uh, you know, the guys coming together and realizing that, hey, we've got, you know, less than 10 games left and, you know, our uh, NCAA tournament hopes are on the line, literally. So uh, I think definitely it's a, you know, what we're seeing is definitely a result of guys making an effort to come together. The two wins last week, Temple, they had a 23-point lead, ended up winning by seven, got hairy at, this, at the end of the game. And we just talked about Tulane, 25-point lead, ends up with a, a 12-point victory, which is still solid, a double-digit win. You'll take that any day of the week. But do you think this team has the killer instinct? Man, it's it's hard to it's hard to answer that, right? Because they were up by, you know, you just said it, they were up by 25 in the second half against Tulane um, and just couldn't keep their foot quite on the gas. Um, you know, things do seem to be trending in the right direction, though, in terms of them getting to that place where they're playing 40 minutes, right? Like they played... You could say, what, 2025 of solid basketball against Temple, um, 30 against Tulane. So you're, you're getting warmer, but, you know, on February 15th, I don't know if getting warmer is the, you know, mm-hmm. where you want to be. I think that's the issue. I don't know if you've recently had a chance to talk to the big dog, Malcolm Dandridge, but Dandridge's numbers, playing time numbers, have gone down recently. Now, he was in foul trouble in the last game. He hasn't started now, right? He's going. Penny's going with the smaller lineup, although not yep. real small when you talk Naquan Tomlin and Nick Jardine. Right, yep. but relatively not a true legitimate center, which Malco is. Is is Malco, again, I don't know if you've spoken to him, but how's Malco taking this? Because he was playing the best basketball of his career, although the team was losing a bunch of games, and he's right in the middle of this thing. Is he okay with a little bit of a lesser role? At least that's what we've seen the last few games. I mean, from Penny, it sounds like that, but we have not, you know, gotten a chance to speak to Malco uh, himself. He wasn't made available after the Wichita state game or the temple one, or even this last one against Tulane. So, you know, it's hard to say you would hope, you know, a guy like that, who's, who's been a leader all season um, has been, you know, relied upon to be that kind of veteran voice, um, the guy who knows how Penny wants to do things, that kind of thing. Um, you would hope that 
he'd be willing to do whatever, you know, for this team to get it together uh, with it being do or die time, like Penny has said. Barth, have you allowed yourself to think about the possibility, and it's right now I, it would be a pretty good possibility that the Tigers fail to make the NCAA tournament. And if that is the case, that would be six years for Penny and one tournament victory. Have you allowed yourself to think about like that and just, you know, a a regular coach, a regular Joe coach, there'd be an uproar with, with coach Hardaway. Certainly some people will be up in arms, but not too many because he has the support, but that's, that's a long stretch with one tournament win if that is the case. Now, hopefully that won't be. They'll turn it on and make a nice run in the NCAA tournament. But that's that's a possibility. No, it is. It is. And I think, you know, if you kind of zoom out, and this is not to excuse the fact that, you know, if they miss the tournament, it'd be, you know, two appearances, one win. But these are just factors, right? The fact that he inherited a program that was kind of down in the dumps, you know, when he got it um, from Tubby Smith. So you can almost kind of excuse that first year as a year of rebuilding, a year of kind of um, implementing his system and, you know, eventually getting his guys in the door and that kind of thing. And then you have the COVID year. There was no tournament one of those years. So, you know, if you want to look at it that way, he's, you know, he's steadily climbed upward in terms of, uh, you know, last season. We were still sweating a little bit, but definitely sweating less on Selection Sunday, or not Selection Sunday because they won the, the AQ, the automatic, you know, qualifier. Mm-hmm. But, um just kind of down the stretch there, you were you were less worried about, you know, being in than you were um, in previous years. But I think just this year with, you know, with the talent they had and, you know, the hype and the expectation and going out and building this kind of super team from the portal, uh, man, to not get this team, you know, to March Madness, to the big dance, especially when you were ranked 10th, you know, like a, a month ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that would be, you know, a, a failure. It's hard to put it any other way. Well, this this is a strange year. It is a strange year for Memphis because he goes out, as he's done pretty much since this whole transfer portal came into play, going out and constructing a team over the summer, basically, which I, again, in this day and age, I have no problem with it. I mean, some people do. No. I, I, I would love to see the development of a couple of young players, and maybe Ashton will be one. If Sharon Font stays around, he'll be one. But that's the way it is. So I have no problem with that. But unlike in the last few years, they get out of the gates quickly. They win a bunch of games. Now, I know those teams haven't lived up to what they should be, right? The, the Arkansas of the world, the Michigans of the world. Right. They, they have been bad. So I don't know if it was Memphis beating bad teams or just Memphis elevating its game, but it's rare because usually Memphis stumbles out of the gate, struggles early non-conference, then they have to do a lot of damage in the conference just to get in the tournament as an 8 or a 9. But this year they did the opposite. So I give him a lot of credit because these guys were ready to go at the beginning of the year. So what do you think the major culprit was? What was the main reason why they hit the skids? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, you know, more than one thing when you have this kind of, you know, disastrous collapse, but sure. I think it's all the moving parts, man. It's, uh, you know, you lose Jordan Brown in early December for a bit, and there's a period um, of kind of tumult there where guys are, um, you know, one, you know, wondering why he, he's left, trying to get him to come back, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you're adding Naquan Tomlin, you know, what, two weeks later, if, you know, less than that, probably 
um, a week and a half, two weeks later. Then you lose Caleb Mills in January. You lose your, you know, your, your vocal leader, your emotional leader, like Penny said. He's gone. Your best defender, best on-ball defender. And then you're adding Jordan Brown back when you're already trying to incorporate this new guy, Naquan Tomlin. So, I don't know. I think, you know, this is not a video game, right? Like, you can't just accumulate a bunch of talent like you can in, in NBA 2K or whatever and go out and win. There's a human component to this. You know, guys have to mesh. Uh, guys have to get along um, and, and buy into roles. And if that doesn't happen, you kind of see what happened with the Tigers for a few weeks there where there's almost like an identity crisis. They're trying to figure out who they want to be, um, you know, who goes where, who does what. Uh, and I think that's what you saw when you when you had that four-game skid. And obviously now you're seeing a team that, is buying in, is figuring out, you know, who plays what role. But I guess the question now is, you know, is it too late? Can they still undo the damage, mm-hmm. heavy damage, that they did by losing the Rice at home by, you know, even South Florida. People say South Florida is a good team, fine, but they're still outside of the top 110 bomb. They did nothing in their non-conference. Um, you know, they've they've beat teams in conference play, certainly, but uh, just overall body of work and the way that loss will be viewed, I don't think it will be, you know, too, too fondly. Yeah, it, it's hard to change the minds of some of our listeners who continue to say that's a really good conference. South Florida's 11-1 and one in conference play. But you're right, they're not even close. They're not even sniffing, sniffing the NCAA tournament unless they win the AQ because yep. they didn't do any damage in the non-conference portion of the schedule. They are just right now beating up on teams that are at their level in the conference and then pulled the upset of Memphis after coming back from 20 down. To me, that kind of was the – that changed things for Memphis. Blowing that 20-point lead, they would subsequently lose to Rice. I know they had lost the game at, at Ole Miss where they had the lead, but it was on the road. They'd done pretty well against SEC opponents. It was one loss. But there was that 20-point lead that they blew, and I think that kind of changed things. Now, I did want to ask you about – Absolutely. I did want to ask you about the defense because – Penny hangs his hat on defense. And I could tell you, I have been to enough practices. I have been in there and have watched how he t- coaches defense. So he does a good job in stressing the importance. I just don't know if it's all being comprehended. They have struggled for the most part, giving up offensive rebounds, kind of standing around, rebounding the basketball, giving up open threes on the perimeter. What do you see when you watch the struggles on defense when in the past with Penny's teams, they've been pretty good defensively. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because this team, you know, coming into the season, we were all saying this team has so many athletes and they're quick and they're long and they're physical. And you would think that would translate perfectly into, you know, a Penny Hardaway defense where you're, you're trapping and you're, um, you know, causing chaos and trying to score in transition. But, you know, it just hasn't, right? You know, these past two games, I think we've seen – a reversion um, or like kind of getting back to what Penny wants to do on that side of the ball. But for, for a while there, they were, um, they were trying to play that style, trying to trap and kind of shooting themselves in the foot because teams would just get open layups or open three pointers um, with guys over helping. Uh, so I think, I don't know. I think they figured something out on that end of the floor. They, they forced, I think 18 turnovers against temple 14 against Tulane and, you know, scored nearly 20 points both times off of those turnovers. So if these past two games are any indication, looks like they've turned a corner on that end of the floor as well. All right, what do you know about North Texas other than they 
play at a, an extremely slow pace, second slowest in the country. What kind of obstacles tonight face the Tigers? Yeah, you know, I'm a Greg. You know this. I'm a big, uh, you know, metrics fan usually, but in this case, it just doesn't make sense. You know, North Texas is ranked higher than Memphis and Ken Palm, almost forty spots higher in Bartorvik. Uh, and you look at what North Texas has done. You know, yeah, they've you know hung tight with with LSU and St. John's, but they really don't have any kind of wins that pop out aside from that SMU win. You know, in late January. And now they're down their starting backcourt, Ruben Jones and C.J. Nolan. Uh, aside from those two guys, there's not a player on that team averaging more than 1.5 assists. You know, and they've kind of made their uh, made their mark, if you will, on extending possessions. Um, you know, keeping the ball for long periods of time. I, you know, I wonder without those two guys um, facilitating and kind of setting teammates up, like, can you do that? Uh, and Reuben Jones has been out the past five games. Nolan's been out um, the past three. And in, in, you know, in that five-game stretch, they've gone one and four. So I think North Texas seems to be trending downward. And if you know those two guys aren't in the mix tonight, I think Memphis has a good chance to speed this team up and, and kind of cause that same level of chaos that we've seen in recent uh, games. If anything, we've learned that uh, expect the unexpected with this Memphis basketball team, but I'm no with doubt. but I am with you 100%. North Texas, by the way, is a one and a half point favorite. I'm not sure if that line's changed, but I know they're a one and a half point favorite. I don't bet on anything with Memphis, okay? Yeah. But if I were to, I would be all over the Tigers tonight. Now, Sunday's a different story. I don't know about Sunday. And I know how extremely important every single game is. But if they can't win that game tonight at North Texas, well, first of all, they're done. They're DOA. But I think so. Yeah. Yeah. They they can you could almost they're so, they're still in trouble if they lose at SMU where they're gonna have to win the conference tournament. But SMU, you could almost understand. This North Texas team, they're good. I mean, they're okay. But as you said, they have injuries. They don't score that well. They don't play at a high pace. They, Memphis needs to do what they did against Tulane. Go out there, yep. try to press them. Hopefully they're able to turn them over. High-octane offense. Confuse North Texas a bit. They're a one-and-a-half-point dog. I would be jumping all over Memphis tonight. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think – I don't know what it is. I don't know if odd, odds makers are looking at you know that four-game slump still, which you know certainly <laughs> – left a mark on, on people's memories and the way people perceive this Tigers team. But uh, I think this is a matchup nightmare for North Texas, quite frankly. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't bet on teams I cover either, <laughs> but if I, if I were to, you know, if I were a betting man, so to speak, I would, you know, I would hammer this one. Uh, I think Memphis is going to take care of business tonight. Yeah. Maybe they're looking, uh, looking at analytics and some of those numbers that uh, are against Memphis and, and certainly favor North Texas, but Parth will be heading down to the Metroplex. Are you going to end up staying down there like the team is? I am. So initially I, I planned to kind of go back and forth, but just looked at the cost again. And I think it was just about the same price. So we decided I'm just going to stay there, uh, staying in Denton tonight and then switching hotels and moving to, to Dallas tomorrow. Um, and we'll be there obviously two nights and fly back Sunday night after Memphis plays SMU. 
All right. Well, safe travels to you. He's Parthu Pajai, University of Memphis men's basketball beat writer for the Daily Memphian. He does an incredible job, so read all his stories at the DM. And always listen to the weekly podcast with uh, yours truly with Parth during basketball season, with uh, Frank Bonner during the uh, basket or the football season, and, of course, Tim Buckley as well. Parth, thank you so much. Always appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Take care. <sighs> yeah, I don't know, Zach. I think tonight, I mean, look, they got to win that game tonight. And they're a dog. I think that line may change by the time they tip. By the way, ESPN Plus is where you can watch it, and it will begin at 7 p.m. North Texas, 13 and 10, 6 and 5 in conference play. Memphis at 18 and 6. They are 7 and 4 in conference play. First game for the Tigers versus a top 100 opponent in more than a month. As I mentioned, the Mean Green, you talk about a slow tempo. They are 361 out of 362 D1 teams in adjusted tempo. When we come back, more on the Tigers, on the Grizz. We'll talk some golf as well with Colin Cody from News Channel 3. You're tuned into Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 8.30 the time. Halfway home on this Thursday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Greg Gaston, producer Zach Boyd. Eli is off. He is with Ole Miss Baseball in Hawaii. They will open up their season. The Rebels will against the Rainbow Warriors. Do they just go by Warriors now? or I don't know what they go by, but beautiful place to be in. If you've never been to Hawaii and you can get there, I suggest you do so. So I'm hoping Eli can enjoy himself a little bit while doing a little work, calling these games, which you'll hear right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. I'm, I'm going to think that uh, he will be able to enjoy himself. Colin Cody is going to join us in just a few moments from News Channel 3. Coming up in our final hour, Jonah Dillon from the Commercial Appeal on the Grizzlies and Tigers football. He wrote a story recently about the new University of Memphis football general manager, Bo Davidson. And doesn't it sound weird that we're associating now collegiate coaching positions with terms that you would use and they use in professional sports, a general manager as opposed to a director of recruiting uh, although some still use that, but uh, the GM term now being used a lot. We will talk to Jonah about that new GM, Bo Davidson, and other things coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. And then at 9.30, Jay Phillips will join us, afternoon host on 107 The Game in Columbia, about um, some connections with South Carolina and with Memphis. We'll also talk about, unfortunately for the Gamecocks, their 40-point loss last night to Auburn. But we'll talk to Jay 
about Gigi Jackson, of course, from the University of South Carolina, who's blossoming for the Tigers, and Mario Anderson, the former South Carolina running back who transferred to the University of Memphis. It is our pleasure now to uh, be joined by Channel 3's Colin Cody, sports reporter and sports anchor. You can follow him on Twitter at Colin Z. Cody. He joins us now on Sports 56 Mornings. Hey, Colin. Hey, Greg. What's up, man? I hear you talking about a little South Carolina. That was my old backyard back a couple years ago, uh, right down the street from Augusta there. So, yeah, I've been watching Gigi Ball out for uh, quite a long time uh, to this point. I'm happy for all the success that he's having. Yeah, since you brought it up, and you're right, that's your old stomping grounds at Augusta, South Carolina area. Of course, Augusta right on the border of Georgia and South Carolina. Gigi Jackson has been a revelation in what has been obviously a disastrous year to have Vince Williams step up the way he has, but also Gigi Jackson. He is the youngest. Did I hear this right? He's the youngest player in the NBA? Yeah, yeah, youngest player in the NBA. I mean, He's been 19 now for, I think, just a few months. And um, I think we can kind of see his, not his antics, but uh, that childlike persona that he still has, that we all wish that we still had uh, <laughs> days of our lives. Yeah, he is he is fun to watch. And, and, and at least, again, that's a little bit of a, just a tiny bit of a silver lining from what has been a black cloud this season, unfortunately, for Memphis. But nice win last night, 121. Uh, to 113. So I, I wanted to ask you about a, a number of different topics, but you are a big fan of the game of golf, like I Absolutely. am, uh, like a lot of our listeners are. So having covered the Masters and having covered Tiger Woods, did you ever think there would be a day, and you probably never thought of this, but now in retrospect, did you ever think there would be a day that Tiger Woods, synonymous with Nike and Nike with Tiger Woods, would part ways and now Tiger Woods unveiling new apparel line called Sunday Red, three different words, and using the tailor-made brand for his clubs. Did you ever think he would part from Nike? I would say I didn't think that this would be a, a reality uh, maybe until two or three months ago. Um, I'm, I've heard several conversations about you know how uh, Nike and Tiger kind of have been not – on the same page recently, more so I think Tiger has taken the side of, he feels as Nike wants him to pass the torch to the Rory's, uh, to Jordan. And he's not necessarily wanting to do that. He necessarily wants to continue to be the staple of the Nike brand, uh, someone that brought Nike to the forefront of golf. But then again, to his, you know, his point, um, in his favor, that Nike, they stopped making clubs. Right. They stopped making a lot of um, equipment that, you know, didn't necessarily suit him. So when he initially switched um, spikes a couple of years ago, I believe he started to wear, maybe it was Callaway or it could have been um, TaylorMade. I can't remember, but that was a huge deal where Tiger said, well, this is after the accident, so he needed some more comfort for his foot and his leg after that procedure. But yeah, that was a huge deal. Why uh, I think Tiger and Nike probably aren't in the same uh, aren't in business together anymore because uh, you know just that partnership. Sometimes you know relationships just kind of fade away like that. And uh, I think for all of us, 
Um, Tiger Woods, his logo is uh, Sunday Red. We're all ha- going to have to get used to it somehow. Uh, I'm not sure what I feel about the logo or uh, the name yet. Maybe it'll, it'll stick um, sooner down the line. But I think he did this with the idea of he knows that the golf uh, game isn't is in front of him as uh, it has been, but he wants to become more like a Jordan brand. He wants to be able to have something that is synonymous with him, and everybody knows on red, you see Tiger on Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see how he moves forward as he uh, picks out which golfer to sponsor Sunday Red. When you are a bigger-than-life character, like Michael Jordan, who hasn't played basketball in years and years and years, Penny Hardaway, who hasn't played in years and years, and obviously they're with, with Nike, but to be as big a name as Tiger Woods, does it really matter if he's playing that much, which he's not, and probably not going to win another tournament? I think that would be one of the greatest stories of the century if Tiger Woods... Uh, comes back unless he goes on the Champions Tour and, and plays some of those events. But on the PGA Tour, whether it's the Genesis this week, which he has entered back in Los Angeles, back at the scene of the crime, basically where he had that that accident. But for him to win a major or even a PGA Tour event, which would would be an amazing story coming back from the injuries and where he is with his golf game. But my point is, it doesn't necessarily have to be a guy who's out there active playing and winning to still be a brand's face because we're seeing that with the likes of a, a Michael Jordan and others. And, of course, Penny to a lesser degree, but certainly uh, the Penny line is huge still today in, in sports apparel. No, I, I totally agree. But also, you know, we've seen the documentaries. We've read the stories um, about what make a lot of these athletes tick. And I think in golf or um, just not even golf, but sports in general. When you get to the Michael Jordans, these figureheads of, of um, sports, they need some type of doubt. They need someone to push them and motivate them. And I feel like Tiger still has that mindset, though the body um, is not necessarily responding the way he might want it to. He still has that mindset. And I think that's that's the that's the thing with golf. You can play golf for 20, 30 years. I mean, not long ago, Phil Mickelson, before he left the tour, he was finishing in uh, some really nice tournaments. I believe it was Kiowa that he won at, what, 50, 51 years old. So mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, 83, that's not too far out of reach for Tiger. I know the game of his peers, obviously, is at another level as well. But, I mean, it's Tiger Woods. If he plays a great week, then we won't, I mean, we're not too shocked by seeing him on Sunday in contention. And if he's in uh, uh, striking distance by Sunday, then I think that kind of is automatically factors into everyone around him and how they play because they know Tiger Woods is playing and competitive on a Sunday. And, you know, he, he's not someone that just goes away easily. So, I think, uh, yeah, ultimately, I think it's just a, a mind game for him to continuously try to uh, challenge himself. And I think, uh, yeah, I think he's just trying to reinvent himself. I think this is part of, like, that uh, midlife midlife crisis. <laughs> I don't want to say, you know, like, he, he might go, I hope he doesn't go get, like, a motorcycle or something like that. Exactly. But this is, like, yeah, this is him pushing himself, trying to 
recreate who Tiger Woods is going to be in this next phase of life. Yeah, I hope he's he's learned his lesson about uh, you know tra- ways to travel. So motorcycle yeah. will oh, not be on goodness. his list. But look, I know I know it wouldn't be Super Bowl numbers. But my God, if Tiger Woods was in contention, I don't care if it's Riviera this week or obviously the Masters or a major. It's must watch television. That's why he's so big. That's why this new brand, the Sunday Red, is going to do extremely well. It's going to be a it's going to be a boom for for TaylorMade, even though TaylorMade does pretty well on its own, to have Tiger involved in this thing. So, um, yeah, whether you you like the logo, whether you like the name, and some people don't, uh, it's associated with Tiger Woods, and that's pivotal. Okay, yeah. another thing that Tiger said that I wanted to get your reaction to. Obviously, there's been so many different stories off the course. In the last, we go back to what, the summer, right, with the PGA Tour. The whole deal with Piff and whether or not they will come together and the deadline that has now passed. Well, Tiger Woods spoke up and he said he isn't opposed to Piff being an investor in the PGA Tour. Of course, Piff being the the, the Saudis and their their um, decision to get more involved in sports around the world. It was such a controversial thing when it first started, when they first plucked those players away from the PGA Tour. Tiger was outspoken about it. Rory was outspoken about it. Everybody was. Now they're pulling back on it because Jay Monahan comes out and says that they're trying to negotiate um, bringing everybody together, which I think is the right thing. But remember right. how bad it was, Colin? Remember yeah. how much flack those guys caught? And now all of a sudden you got the biggest names in golf, Tiger and Rory, doing an about-face on Piff. Yeah, and I think that's what it all comes to. I think at this point, um, obviously since Tiger doesn't play maybe twice a year at this point, Rory's out there, he's the front man, and he's backing it, and he's the voice like, hey, this is not what we want, blah, 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 but at the end of the day, the money, the influence, is no way that you're going to be able to get around this. So I think the smart thing to do is kind of bear the hatchet and um, try to eat some of those words from the last was 12 months, 24 mm-hmm. months. But I, it is what it is. Like, I mean, whether, you know, that fund is um, here or not, the PGA Tour is, hasn't been always the cleanest uh, of tours as is. I mean, it's we they don't they they you know they don't they're a charity right so like they don't necessarily know what the backing is or they don't announce that but you know I think that's just part of it I think Tiger and Rory and a lot of those guys that were outspoken about it for them to know and understand like hey if we want to somehow get somewhere back in the middle and we have to come to an agreement where we get most of the best players in our game back on the same page with John Rahm and uh, DJ, like, I think that's just better for the whole game of golf instead of trying to split it and, uh, you know, try to have two different leagues that people try to care about. Like, for me personally, uh, live is fun. I mean, it is what it is, but I'm not a whole person. I don't need the whole games and, like, the teams. I don't need that. I I can go to Galloway on a Saturday and, and hear about a scramble. I don't – so it's, like, just too much keeping up with for me. But – Personally, I, I mean, just historically, the PGA Tour is just something that I've, I've always um, loved the format. And it is, you know, it's kind of old school, but it is what it is. Like, that's just the staple of golf. So, any way that they can get 
integrate both leagues, I think it's a win-win for um, both. So, yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward with this. And um, obviously, but they have to go on the road now and try to eat some of those words. Final thing for you on, on golf. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, the tour is always a nonprofit entity, as you said. But now with the strategic sports group that's throwing in all that money, doesn't it now become a a for profit? Yeah. So it's, it's wide changed. open now. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be wide open now, and um, I think you know that might be why they started some of the pushback uh, months ago because once they start opening up these closets and you see all these skeletons it's like <laughs> what, what, what are we going to find back there so right. yeah, it's going to be interesting but I think they have enough money where you know that kind of cures a lot of things and I think it's going to fix a lot of things with the PGA Tour uh, moving forward alright quick quick answer to this one I'm putting you on the spot here bud Tigers okay. basketball will they make the NCAA tournament well I hope so <laughs> I hope so uh, Greg <laughs> I mean one and a half favorite tonight um, then you know you're still in Texas. Wait, are they? The, wait, are they the favorite tonight? Are they they started out as the, uh, the underdog. Are they the favorite now? No, I think they're still the underdog. Uh, okay. Oh, I thought you said one and a half point favorite. So no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I probably did, but yeah, I know that one and a half point underdog. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's gonna be. I mean, I, I I don't think you can count the Tigers out, but you know, every year I feel like we go through this. Uh, <laughs> we don't know how good or what's gonna happen, but. You know, it wouldn't be Memphis basketball season if there wasn't some type of drama. So uh, I think um, I think the Tigers make it. Yeah, let's go on the record. I think they're somehow they're going to sneak in there. I don't know how many more games they're going to lose or if they're going to win this conference championship. But I think um, they have to at least make a title appearance for that game uh, to be in consideration because they they've kind of lost everything that they worked for earlier in the season to this point. Yep, backs against the proverbial wall. Zach, mark it down. Colin says they're making the NCAA tournament. We got it down on record. <laughs> he is Colin Cody, sports reporter, anchor for News Channel 3. You can follow him on Twitter at Colin Z. Cody. Colin, thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Take well, care. Have a great one. You too. All right. I should put you on the spot, Zach Boyd. Mr. Memphis alum. Well. I'm not afraid. They making it? I think so. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back. Hey, we got some time for your texts and calls, 360-8255 in this final segment in hour two. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 8.50 the time. Wrapping up hour number two. Coming up in hour three, Jonah Dillon from the Commercial Appeal. We'll talk with Jay Phillips from 107 The Game out in Columbia, South Carolina. 
Folks, join the Heindel Center for the Performing Arts in Senantobia for an evening with Cal Ripken Jr. on Thursday, February 22nd. One week from tonight, hear this legendary Baseball Hall of Famer whose remarkable career celebrates the dedication it takes to become a true champion. Known as the Iron Man, Cal played in 2,632 consecutive games for the Orioles. 19-time All-Star, two-time American League MVP, and Baseball Hall of Fame inductee. The great Cal Ripken Jr. will be talking at the Heindel Center, and you can pick up tickets at the HeindelCenter.org. That's HeindelCenter.org to see Cal Ripken Jr. at the Heindel Center for the Performing Arts on the campus of Northwest Mississippi Community College in Senantobia. Now, because I'm such a nice guy, and don't take that first call because they're already ringing. That doesn't count. If you are the fifth caller at 360-8255, the fifth caller, you're going to get two free tickets to go see Cal Ripken. If you are not a baseball fan, don't call in. If you're just calling in just to win something that you're not going to use. But if you have somebody in your family, you know somebody that wants to listen to Cal Ripken, or you want to do it yourself, I plan on being down there, God willing. 360-8255-901-360-8255. Fifth caller. Fifth caller. We'll get you those tickets. 360-8255. we got the phones are all ringing off the hook. You didn't take that first caller, did you? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The first one was doing it before I said to call in. You can't do that. you got to eliminate that person. Um, okay. So the NFL yesterday, obviously we had the tragedy in Kansas City, which is still the details still unfolding. Opened up the show with that. As far as things important but not as important, there was a coaching change, not a head coaching change, but a coordinator position that became open. And I am flabbergasted by this one. I, I, I just I don't get it. Steve Wilkes was fired by Kyle Shanahan as the 49ers defensive coordinator. I guess because Pat Mahomes did what he did, had the drive to tie the game, had the drive to win the game in overtime. Was that it? That was the decision why Steve Wilkes was fired? Was it something they were going to do after the season? And really what happened in the Super Bowl made no difference? I, I thought the 49ers played pretty solid defensively against Mahomes. Mahomes can take down any defense out there, maybe even the 85 Bears, for goodness sakes. The 49ers all year long. We got a winner, right? Okay, we got a winner. Thank you. We're going to give away some more tickets. Uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe not tomorrow, but early next week. And don't forget Sports Time on Sports 56 with Brian and Stats. They're giving away tickets as well. Enjoy, man. Enjoy Cal Ripken Jr. But the 49ers defense, certainly one of the best, if not the best, all year long. And they've made Steve Wilkes the sacrificial lamb with his firing. I don't know. I don't get that one. That one's a shocker to me. Really surprised that uh, Steve Wilkes... Somebody's going to scoop up Steve Wilkes. Now, I don't know how many openings are out there, but that guy has been around the game for a long time. This weekend, NBA All-Star Weekend. You got All-Star Saturday night. You got the game on Sunday. But you also have the great American race, the Daytona 500. Sunday's going to be quite the day. Tigers will be playing SMU. In Dallas, NBA weekend, 
Daytona 500. Ford has swept the front row in qualifying for the 500 with former race winners Joey Logano and Michael McDowell leading the way. Then you'll have the qualifying races, the twin qualifying races, um, which will determine the rest of the field. Logano turned a lap of 181.947 miles per hour. He was the 2015 Daytona 500 winner. He earned his first pole since Atlanta last year. It was also Logano's first pole in a super speedway. McDowell, the 21 winner, I forgot that guy won the 500, qualified second at 181.68 for front row motor sports. If you missed some of the headlines from last night, the Grizzlies snap a nine-game losing streak. They beat the Rockets 121 to 113. Dylan Brooks back in Memphis again, 16 points, 10 rebounds, but just one of seven from three. Got a technical foul, and his team got a loss. GG Jackson off the bench, leading the way for the Grizzlies with 20 points, nine rebounds. He hit three of five from three-point land. College basketball last night. Auburn, 13th ranked in the country, beat 11th ranked South Carolina, 101 to 61. Now the reveal is going to happen on Saturday, where the committee basically gives you right now what the top four seeds in all the regions would be. So 16 total teams will be unveiled. I wonder what happens with South Carolina. Do they do an adjustment? Because certainly they would be one of the top 16, I would imagine. It's not a guarantee just because you're top 11 in the AP poll, but I would think. But then you lose by 40 to Auburn. So I'll be curious to see if they are revealed as one of the top 16 when that comes out on CBS on, on Saturday. But Auburn drubs them. Tennessee wins at Arkansas easily. Still lean toward... I don't know. I said Auburn maybe a week ago. Tennessee or Auburn, I still think, are at the top. Alabama's very good. Kentucky, if they play the way they did against Ole Miss, certainly capable. We know they have the talent. And then South Carolina is the real surprise. Florida's played really, really well, but I don't know how consistent they are on the road or at a neutral court for that matter. And then in the American Conference last night, USF wins over Tulsa 69-50. to The Bulls 11-1 in the American Conference continue to lead the conference. Unfortunately, Memphis does not get another shot at USF unless, it is, unless it's in the conference tournament at Dickey's Arena in Texas. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, a busy third hour, we will open up with Jonah Dillon, talk, talk some Tigers football, get back into the Grizzlies as well. And then Jay Phillips, as I mentioned, the afternoon host on 107.5, the game in Columbia, South Carolina. You can text in 901-360-8255 on any of the topics we discussed or anything in the world of sports. Plus, as I said, if you have a comment you want to make on the tragedy in Kansas City, you know, people are trying to tell me it's a sports story. It's not. It's a it's a tragedy that has become a huge worldwide national news story that happened at a sports, not even sports event, a sports celebration. Still, we opened up the show talking about it. We'll take your calls as we did, or texts rather, as we did, and that's it. There's not much else I can say unless I get new information on this as far as whether the three people that they have uh, arrested 
I'm not sure if they've even arrested them yet, but they have um, captured are the only three that are involved or are they the three that are involved? We don't know all this information. So, again, I'll pass that along uh, if that becomes available. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.